Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had Hello, North Bay, Saxon Jacks. I'm tomorrow. And we're on the board. S&P Futures. And we'll get in a second here since I'm staring at the... S&P Futures up 475. Nasdaq Futures up 21. Now Futures up 20. So we've got the PPI Thursday, CPI tomorrow. So it was yesterday was a slow day. We were down to flat all day and ran up a little bit on the close, sort of the opposite of what we did on Friday. So today we're up a little bit. So we're kind of a, uh, summer doldrums ahead of these numbers. Do we have the Professor Brendan? Good morning, Chief. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm confused as usual about what's going on in the world, but I'm okay. You know, just saying. Are, I, are we going to talk all about the uh, new Northwestern football stadium and the pushback from the community on that? Is that the top <laughs> news of the day? Um, as you recall... <laughs> As you recall, the uh, there was a guy that was poo-pooed dramatically by my executive producer, Mr. Weber, and anybody else who happened to be with an earshot. I predicted that at the end of the NIL stuff, there will be a few teams that decide they just want out. And my mm-hmm. number one pick there was Northwestern, and I was roundly guffawed because they're building a new stadium. I still stick with that prediction. That well, at we'll the end, at the end of the day, they did, they're going to decide this football is not worth it. Um, I don't know about that, but uh, because I, I do think that there there's a lot more. I I I, I still disagree that that they're going to get rid of football. But this has really been a monkey wrench with what happened. Not well. Look at it's not only Fitzgerald, but it's also their baseball coach now is accused of harassment and um, and some other activities. So they're. Their athletic department is in a world of hurt right now. Well, I mean, I, I have uh, the thing that's very confusing to me in this whole matter. Well, a lot of stuff is, as you well know. We spent all last week talking to the attorneys. Unfortunately, uh, you were not here on Tuesday because we were off. This whole Harvard case with like no damages, really. Mm-hmm. Somehow that gets someplace, um, which hopefully we'll have a check in a second to talk about. Um, now, all of a sudden, this Northwestern case, and you and I have talked, I mean, just like the Star Trek episode from the first one of the new generation, which is now the old generation, um, this court of public opinion with this Twitter stuff is out of control. I mean, they did this huge investigation. I understand that this huge investigation up there regarding the football team <clears throat> and the harassment. And, and when, when did we go from making the rookies you know, carry the beer or pay for dinner in the NFL to naked sex acts or something. I mean, how, how, what's with these kids? I mean, what's the matter with them? I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, a little harassment didn't bother anybody, but I mean, a little bit, you know. And that. Um, so all of a sudden, they do this huge thing. Decide the coach didn't know about it, but he probably should have. 
They give him two weeks off without pay. They get this Twitter barrage, and a day later the guy's fired. Does the, the chairman of the university have any backbone whatsoever? Or did, or it was all kinds of stuff he didn't know about in his alleged investigation? Um, from what I've been able to read, uh, he was, I, I think that Schill, the, the guy, the president, was just trying to hide this and, and get away with it, that it would blow over. He didn't know, uh, because I think in uh, in the reports, you know, that Maggie Hickey wrote, she was the investigating attorney, that um, even though she couldn't point to direct evidence that Fitzgerald knew what was going on, he should have known. And come on, you and I both know that football coaches, head football coaches at major programs are control freaks. Oh, yeah. They know, they know not only what everybody on their team is doing, but what the little kid brother and sisters and the parents of that kid is doing back home and wherever they're from. Uh, that I mean, that's just the control that they, they have over their programs. So, I mean, the, whether you're looking at something like Penn State and Joe Paternal, I didn't know about Sandusky, I didn't know about this or that. These guys are control freaks, and, and they know a lot more than they think, than, than they, they say they do. Um, and, you know, so I think that the president of Northwestern, was just trying to skate by. Fitz is a good guy. He's good for the community. He's good for the program. He's a good public face. Uh, you know, he, he's a superstar. He was a major football player on our team back in the 90s, took us to the Rose Bowl. He's great in the community. This will blow over because this isn't typical of, of Fitz. But yet, he's responsible for the program. And uh, it may be that he knew more about this than or encourage more about this than he ever let on. Well, you, you got to assume that if it's going on, it was going on when he was there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was. In fact, I'm much more positive that it would be happening in his day than it would be now just because times have changed. You, you know, when you... I mean, you, you thought about you know, carrying beer for the upperclassmen or buying lunch in the NFL, have the, the rookies buy lunch for the or buy dinner for the whole team those are you know minor types of hazing things but you know throwing jock straps at, at the football players in the locker room and have them carry it that's that's been going on for for generations you know that kind of stuff uh to to bond the team and, and make them make them part of the, the group the in group and then you know what often happens with with hazing is that based on my experience and talking with, with folks, that when you go through it as a freshman or a sophomore, you increase the level of hazing and embarrassment to the next generation, the next class coming in. And so it just keeps escalating over a period of time. And um, so I, I'm not, I would not be surprised that, that Fitz was part of this as a freshman at Northwestern and probably participated in this as a senior at Northwestern on the football team. Well, I, I would, you know, it's weird. I, one thing, well, a lot of things, but one of the things that was odd about Notre Dame, somewhere along the line, way back in the 20s, I, the rumors, I, I don't know, I wasn't there in the 20s, but they, they booted all the, the uh, fraternities out of there. Mm-hmm. So there was never anything like that that I saw. <laughs> I mean, I, I went to a, you know, a a rush night party when we were like juniors who we went up to Northwestern for some reason. Somebody said, let's go up there. You know, all these, these fraternity houses are trying to get people to show up, and then they're carrying the guy out over the, I never saw anything. I was sitting there going, what the hell is this? I mean, I just had never even experienced mm-hmm. anything like that. 
Uh, so I don't, I don't, I, I know that at, at Notre Dame, supposedly the first day of full contact practice, when the when the sophomores show up, we all and all think they're big shots in in uh, high school. <laughs> the veterans made sure that they had a rough day in practice. I don't know if there's anything ever went any further than that. Uh, but the idea of you know sort of performing sort of weird sex acts when you're when you're naked, I don't know that anybody. I mean, you know. We had some guys that got drunk. We never forced guys to take shots. Nothing like that. I, that's a, that's so out of my out of my window that I don't even I don't even understand it. But I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's happened all over, but I just I just never experienced, never looked at it, never even even thought about it. I mean, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Well, you know, you, you brought up another point, and that is that in recent years, there's been many more disclosures about uh, sports hazing, sports teams hazing and also fraternity Greek life hazing. And the Greek life hazing has caused several deaths for uh, forced drinking. Um, Loyola did have a fraternity of Greek system. And um, I know of some hazing incidents that happened as part of that. Um, And that was one of the reasons why I chose not to become, uh, not to rush a fraternity because I just, uh, I was appalled by that kind of behavior, and I was. Scared. You're, you're a South Sider. You don't. You don't put up with that. Yeah, I, I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do that kind of crap just to be accepted as as part of the the in crowd fraternity. Um, but I know a lot of people who did, and you know it was a way to advance and was a way to be accepted in in college life. And um, you know I've seen a fair share of hazing in sports teams as, as bonding types of things, but. Usually, it was more um, more subtle than you know what what you're talking about. You know, make him carry all the equipment, making the new guy carry all the equipment, or something like that, for a couple of weeks at, when the when the season begins. Um, you know, cleaning up stuff afterwards. But uh, it certainly was nothing like the hazing that's being described here. Yeah, and I don't. And then all of a sudden, you get the guys with the uh, the thing that. <clears throat> it's sort of weird on this, and I and I keep, as you know, Brandon. I have this, this. I guess it's somewhat of a good trait, but it's really a bad trait too. I keep following the money and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden now, there's all this bullying on the base. How the hell do you bully on a baseball team? For God's sake, uh, <laughs> you know. But in, uh, but but say you do, and all these guys now are on TV last night. You know, when you can't see the faces and stuff, and the, and the, and the voices are all changed a little bit. Uh, what are they? They all want money or what? I mean, quit. Go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, one thing that is, it is amazingly not mentioned, and well, I'll go on a limb here. There has been incredible problems, uh, internal problems on a lot of the ladies' college teams because some are lesbian and some aren't. Mm-hmm. And none of that ever, <clears throat> ever makes it anywhere near the press. That's totally off limits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, now, what does everybody in the baseball team want money? I mean, they got a bunch of them. Manny, what did we hear this morning? How many are in the transfer portal? The baseball team, like a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, I don't know where because this is kind of on top of what happened with the Harvard situation and the affirmative action. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't understand. <clears throat> well, I, I, you know, I understand how that happens. Okay, I mean, I can tell you chapter and verse, and you can probably. My niece, for instance, went to uh, Whitney Young, which was a terrific experience. It was one of the first magnet schools, if not the first. 
mm-hmm. and uh, I used to go to her soccer games, and what a great group of kids. I mean, every every walk of life, every color, every shape, I mean, uh, it was a great experience for her. And um, But then when she went to go to Illinois, they said, well, <clears throat> uh, they essentially told my brother, oh, no, our, 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 Whitney, our Whitney Young quota is going to be all minorities because that's where all the really good minorities are. So she ended up going to Wisconsin, where she had every every right to be in Illinois. Okay, mm-hmm. that cost my brother fifteen grand a year for four years, right? <clears throat> the difference. Um, so there's, and I look think back to this Harvard North Carolina case. There's gonna I'm gonna say Brendan that if Notre Dame was grabbing guys from Marist or Brother Rice or wherever, they're gonna say, hey, all of a sudden that's enough. White ki- white kids from the South Side, and somebody's going to get cut off, and somebody's going to let in from somewhere else that maybe isn't as quote deserving. This happens all over the place, and all of a s- and but whatever happens, in theory, there's damages. I mean, if I were to go to you and say, uh, Brandon, I think I've been wronged, and you're going to say, okay, what's the damages? The first thing you're going to say is, attorney, I'm guessing. How how <clears throat> out of this Asian case, <clears throat> as, as legitimate as it was. <clears throat> How did that thing make it to Harvard in North Carolina? Who picked up the ball on that? If you and I went and told our tale, nobody would give a crap. No, no attorney would, you know, we'd go over to Kirkland and Ellis, and they'd laugh us out the front door. And we're not taking that to Supreme Court. What are you out of your mind? Go to Illinois. You know, is what, is what somebody would tell us. I, I don't, even though it was right there, who picks up the case? Who pays for it? And why isn't there a bill for the 3,000 Asian guys that should have been in the place that ended up having to go to... I'm sure, he still went someplace decent, but say they went to Notre Dame, for instance, and the the difference in starting salaries between Harvard and Notre Dame is twenty five G times ten years plus interest. By the way, here's your list of damages pay up. I don't see any of that. I mean, I don't get the whole system and how it seems to work in some places and doesn't in others. It's a big question, bud. But I'm saying I don't I don't get the connection. Now these kids from Northwestern, are they going to want money for the hazing incidents, or or to put or the baseball team, the bullying. Um, they might, but I don't know that I don't. Well, I, I don't think there's enough evidence yet to know what they what they could ask for in the way of damages. But you're right. I mean, especially now with the transfer portal, um, it's much easier for them to transfer teams, to transfer schools if they felt that they're being bullied or they felt that they're not getting enough playing time because they didn't participate in a hazing thing. Um, you know that that they can easily go without repercussions that would have been in place a few years ago. Um, and, you know, your other point, though, about who's paying the bill, when you get, when you get big firms involved in something like the uh, affirmative action case, you know, somebody's paying that bill because you know that the attorneys that are working on that case still have to justify their existence in the law firm, bottom line, um, so it's not like they're they're billing their 2,000, 2,200 hours and then doing the affirmative action case on the side, which doesn't count towards their bill of hours, or bringing money into the firm. So there are ways, uh, I mean, they have to generate money. There, there's only a limit to the pro bono work that a law firm would, a, a big law firm would look at them doing this kind of work. So some way or another, there's compensation being involved. You know, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see who does pay for the legal fees. Well, Lou, Lou claims that uh, when it gets kicked back to the lower court, he said something about 
and I went to run it by you. He said something about it. in issues of constitutional law, there aren't necessarily damages. When it goes down to the lower lower court, the the law firm is going to present their bill, and Harvard and North Carolina are going to have to pay. That there are damages exactly. somewhere along the way. Now, whether each individual student gets to make a claim or not, that I don't think I, I don't think I asked him that question. But he claims the law firm is going to get paid. Oh, I'm sure the law firm is going to get paid. And, and I, I think they'll get paid very handsomely. And I would think that there are probably some conservative organizations, um, and that, you know, it may be even people who support the Thomas More Society because the Thomas More Society is kind of in line with with uh, what happened in supporting the affirmative action case. But you know, there are Republican and and conservative groups who will be willing and probably have been willing to support the legal fees along the way. Because, you know, I mean, there, when you're talking about the lawyer's compensation, there are two elements here. What is, what is the, the fee that they are going to get? And the second is, when are they going to get it? I mean, this case has been going on for a long time in the court system. Like 2016, uh, right, or something, 17? Yeah. So six, seven years. You know those guys are not just stacking up, a, and you know that their law firms are not saying, yeah, it takes seven years to win this case without bringing in a dime or without charging for anything. We'll support you in all of this. That ain't going to happen. So, you know, somewhere along the way, these guys have been having to, to still bring money into the firm, and somebody is supporting them one way or another. Yeah, I would say, I, you know, it's, it's the thing that, like I said, I mentioned... You know, my niece, I mentioned, you know, guys that I knew. Uh, well, the case, Audrey's uh, friend, who recently passed, unfortunately, her son was like the number, I don't know what high school he went through, somewhere south was, it was Stag or one of those places. Uh, he's the uh, baseball star, right? And he's number 10 graduate, a big class, a smart kid. Well, he, <laughs> the Stanford coach comes out here, wants the kid, gets him an, an academic ride. And the, the the girl who was a valedictorian, and I think had better board scores too, gets flushed, and so does the guy who was number three. Well, hell, <laughs> I mean, there. But I, I, the thing that when I, I know I don't I know a guy. I mean, I was never his wife worked for us, and he he was a Harvard guy, smart guy. Anyway, he still does a lot of fundraising for Harvard, and he was telling me years ago that uh, it was. You know, first of all, they were accosted, for lack of a better term, by all the the Jewish kids in New York, because they did all the best on the board scores there for a while. You know, and I can understand that. I mean, Jewish people are very big on education, and uh, mm-hmm. so then all of a sudden they became, and they didn't want them, so they only took a certain amount. And then all of a sudden, and then, then it became the Asian guys, and they only take a certain amount. I mean, it's going. To, I guess what I'm, the you could make case anywhere in Ohio that Ohio discriminates against people from Ohio because they get more money from people from Michigan. There's a million of these cases out there. Uh, And I just, to be be perfectly blunt, even though I care about everybody, nobody gives a crap about Asians, you know, in terms of being a minority status. Nobody cares if, you know, if if they have enough people in school or if they have enough people in politics. They're they're like, you know, American Indians, for God's sake, or, or, or Irish. I mean, they're... I don't see how nobody cared about the, oh, these guys just happen to be in the right place at the right time or what? Everybody's pissed off at Harvard? Or somebody is? Well, it's not just Harvard. It is the system, but Harvard and North Carolina 
were two. The, well, the, the, I, I think, if I remember correctly, North Carolina is the oldest public university in the country. And how, did they, how did that ever happen? I would never have guessed that. I, I would I would have thought it was Virginia or someplace like that. Yeah, me too. But, but you know, because of the legacy programs, then they they were the targets for the lawsuit. It just it it easily could have been any one of a thousand other universities that that the suit was brought against. That and you know, if you look at the the highest ranked colleges, one of those would have been picked. Uh, it just happened that they settled on Harvard and North Carolina. But the same thing is going to be true for most other colleges looking at this. Well, the under, and, underwriting theme is the African-American community wants to be the only minority. Well, that's the thing. When you're looking at the basis of this, um, what I think the, the, the core underlying basis of this is racism without seeing racist, without being seen racist. For example, if... Uh, if it really was challenged that affirmative action had not gone far enough towards a particular minority group, um, and that group had gotten a lot of play and a lot of publicity, that's not going to have the same cachet as Asian Americans are, or uh, indigenous students. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's really substituting another minority that has... Um, uh, I, I'm struggling for the term here, but like a, a better argument that um, that shows how out of order the the argument is for racial quotas or uh, for affirmative action. Well, I read some uh, something a long time ago about how a minority has to reach a certain amount of political cachet to be considered the minority. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it was it was like the Irish had to get strong enough. To be to be considered, you know, somebody that you had to deal with normally, right? And it's true, the Irish, the Polish, you know. I mean, you look through all the, the Jews. You look at everybody in U.S. history after the Mayflower, and they all went through a period of, of degradation and humiliation and discrimination until they got enough power, whether it was financial power or political power or or something, to be able to to fight back. Yeah, I don't. I, uh, I'm a. I hope they don't push this far enough that if there is some somebody of any color or stripe that for some reason is is hardship, I don't think I don't have a problem with having ten, fifteen, twenty percent of the slots for people. I just don't think it needs to become, you know, to the point where, uh, you know, we, we we can only have a certain amount of Asian people. I mean, I don't, the biggest discriminator for a while was Notre Dame. When they when they decided to accept women, their their quota was we only have five girls dorms, so mm-hmm. they only took as many girls as they have that they they could house. Even though I'll, I gotta believe that the that the first first through tenth girls that were said no to uh, on the admissions were probably way more qualified than the than the last first through ten guys. There just happened to be more guys dorms. Yep. So why don't they use the dorms at uh, St. Mary's? <laughs> well, that's that was another whole issue. I mean, uh, <laughs> God, the uh, well, you know, that that whole thing. I, I, the rumor was that the thing broke up because of uh, taking care of the old nuns or something like that. I mean, it, when I was a freshman, they they told the girls going to St. Mary's that they would that they, I mean, they were accepted into like chemistry and biology and pre med and stuff, which St. Mary's didn't have any programs, and they uh, 
they uh, you know said you're going to graduate from Notre Dame, and all of a sudden the thing fell apart during my freshman year. And they first the first people that, be, that came over to Notre Dame were girls from St. Mary's that mm-hmm. were in or, were in majors that St. Mary's didn't have a major of. Sort of yeah. you know, so all of a sudden you had a dorm full of girls doing pre med and stuff. You know, so it's not like this. I'm just kind of stunned that it actually made it somewhere to the Supreme Court. It's been going on for my whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. You know, part of that is the the polit- political environment and working its way through the courts. And um, you know, this this was ripe to get before the current Supreme Court, working its way through challenges for years and years and years. Well, also, Harvard's so damn arrogant. They actually use the word quota, though, right? I mean, I, you had to be dumb. Enough, you had to be pretty said. dumb to do that. Yeah, <clears throat> or arrogant. Yeah. Well, which they are. And they, now, and we only have a couple of minutes here, but what do you make of the other theme we've had? Again, I missed you for two weeks. That Harvard is going to say, "Screw you! We're, we're not going to do anything about it." I mean, I don't think that they're going to, you know, that the Biden administration is going to change their tune on these student loans either. It's going to change. The name of the, I mean, the Supreme Court has no enforcement power. I mean, so what if Harvard says, well, we're just going to call it something else? They're going to make somebody write a, a 20, 20 word, uh, I was going to say a 20 word essay, and if your English is bad enough, we'll say you're, 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 something's wrong and we'll let you in. I mean, how, how, do, how do you get around this if Harvard says, screw you guys? Well, there definitely will be ways to get around this because I think the political challenges, whether it's to balance, you know, Again, a, a rough choice of words here, but to balance the interests of Asian Americans, African Americans, Latinos, whites, um, you know, Europeans coming in, foreign exchange students, Chinese students, when you're looking for that kind of a balance, there has to be a way to distinguish. And whether it's overt or covert, and trying to get uh, a diversified uh, student body, there will be a way to find out. Um, and you know, if they don't say that, what's your race, what's your ethnicity, uh, on on the application, there will be a way to say that even though we ask for this for identification purposes to see how it turns out three years, five years down the road, what our balance is and how this ruling has impacted us, there'll still be ways to understand, um, probably. In, in, Subtly as to what the makeup is of the class, and, and th- there will be ways around this. We got a dash, uh, Brennan, but uh, one final thing here: uh, talk about a book that's going to go without a last chapter. The only suspect in the Tylenol murders croaked yesterday. I know. That's wild. Yep. Of course, they weren't going to get him now. He's seventy-six, but still, they had no other suspect, did they? For all those years. Nope, not that's... all those years. And it, it was interesting when he even came up with the drawings or uh, how the capsules could have been manipulated to have the cyanide in him oh, God. Uh, and and yet they still couldn't pin it on him um, it, it, it was amazing I mean he, he was convicted of tax fraud for it but and, uh, and extortion but he was never convicted for the murders of, of the case but yeah, you know that's, that's another example of how a company you know we, we started talking about Northwestern and, and All right, we, gotta, we have to push this to next week, Brennan. Can't wait right. to have you back on, buddy. Take care of yourself. SP Futures up 8 and SP is up 35. Be right back, Joel and Connor. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Mopex, Tyson Jackson. I'm Tim Al. Weber on the board. SP Futures up 9, NASDAQ Futures up 39. Uh, Dow Futures up 37. I don't really see anything. NVIDIA is uh, up 320. NVIDIA had an interesting day yesterday. It was up like 6. We were doing a show. Somebody came out with a big fire erupt their price target or whatever. It was down seven during the day, so it had like a thirteen dollar swing. Now it's up three bucks this morning, so making somewhat of a comeback. Uh, over in Asia, we've got uh, Nikkei up thirteen. Call that flat. Hang Seng up one eighty. Uh, it's one percent, but they're still under nineteen thousand eighteen six fifty nine. As they were at a huge down week last week. Shanghai up seventeen point five percent yesterday. Like I said, the, most of this, the Dow was up two hundred nine. They were the only ones that was really up. S&P up, well, they're up 10. NASDAQ up 24. That all happened in like the last 10 minutes. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 72.5%. The FTSE down 8. That's 0.1%. CAC around up 69.1%. Um, as UK wage growth had a uh, record, U- record UK wage growth adds to inflation fears. The rest of Europe markets advance. All right, so what's uh, the only one that's not. Uh, bonds, and this is where the action's been. We're back under four after being as high as like uh, 4.6 or something last week. Um, 3.97. Uh, the, the bond is uh, minus one basis point, 2.61. Japan unchanged at 0.46. Um, I think the, the 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 talk is that I could say something nasty like they're now manipulating the CPI numbers, but 
I think people are expecting a benign CPI number tomorrow. That's why those plants have come back down, or 10-year rates have come back down. Oil up 39 cents, 73.39. Brent up 37 cents, 78.06. Natural gas up 3 cents, 270. So oil's gone up probably five hours in the last two weeks. And now it's upper end of the range. We'll see if it goes back down from there or not. Arbob up 2 cents, 258. We've got gold, which has gone nowhere, up 11 bucks today, back near the middle of the range, 1942. Silver up 4 cents, 23.39. We've got Bitcoin down 272, but still above 30,000, 30,407. And the U.S. dollar is virtually un- well, it's unchanged against the euro, but it's uh, it's down against the pound. The pound is getting stronger as the, the inflation over there continues to go higher. It's up to 129 on the British pound. Eddie, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have one crash to speak of uh, on the area expressways. That's on the Eisenhower inbound just before Desplaines Avenue, exit 21A. That crash is blocking the left lane and is causing uh, significant traffic delays if you're heading inbound on I-290, so I would avoid that if at all possible. Uh, Normal traffic volumes on the Edens and Kennedy for this hour here on a Tuesday. Same for the Stevenson. Southside expressways are looking okay. Off the expressways, we have a crash out in the northwestern suburbs, Route 59, at Schaumburg Road. But everything else looking good out there. Weather today, sunshine early. Then we have some thunderstorms rolling in uh, this afternoon. We'll reach a high of 81, and then after those storms pass through, temperatures will drop into the low 70s, uh, where it will be a little bit cooler this evening. Uh, Right now it is crystal clear and 71, going up to a rainy high of 81 this afternoon. For our Phoenix listeners, hot and steamy, sunshine with a high of 109. Right now it's clear and 93. In sports, big news around here is uh, Pat Fitzgerald, longtime Northwestern head football coach, was fired yesterday uh, amidst uh, hazing and abuse allegations across his football program. His original two-week suspension, apparently not enough. Uh, So Pat Fitzgerald is out at Northwestern. Uh, The home run derby took place last night in Seattle. It was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the contest and the $1 million uh, prize money. So that's always nice. Uh, as he dominated that event. Of course, the All-Star Game is tonight. Uh, That's a 7 p.m. Central Time first pitch on Fox. And as we uh, are in the All-Star break, we'll take a quick look at the standings. White Sox finished the first half 38-54, eight games behind first place Cleveland. Cubs uh, finished the first half 42-47, seven games behind first place Cincinnati. And the Diamondbacks are tied atop the NL West, just percentage points behind the Dodgers, 52-39 for the surprising D-backs. Chief. What do you make of the Braves with eight people in the All-Star team? They're really, really good. Yeah, you think they're better than the the, the Rays? Uh, they're at least equal. Joel, how are you, buddy? Doing well, doing well. How about those guys in the home run derby? I mean, come on, the strength and the endurance it takes. Those pitches coming out of it, very, very impressive there by Vlad. Vlad Guerrero Jr. taking it, though, man. Those guys are good athletes. Can't always say the baseball players are not in shape after you see that something like that. How you doing today, Chief? Right, well, how many swings do you think they take last night? Like two hundred? It's an incredible number. Oh my god! I don't even. I just saw them. I mean, they you know they get their little uh, the little break in there, and uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple things. Hitting the fastball is one thing. Hitting the baseball, running the ball in from the one yard line, or, uh, or or making a layup against an NBA player. I mean. Those are some tough things to do, but uh, markets are looking good, Chief. Here, I don't, you know, I don't know what what's going to derail us here. I mean, we're seeing some inflation out there. Will the will the CPI and the PPI actually reflect that? That we 
this uh, this month is what I'm going to be focusing on. I'm going to say no. <laughs> they haven't reflected it anywhere along the line. Hey, did you see your your kitties? I don't know if we looked at this. If we didn't, uh, you guys uh, went for the high school player in the third third pick of the draft. Yeah, that seems to be the trend. Uh, you know, for years I've wanted them to uh, get a new GM. They brought in Scott Harris. I believe he came over from the Dodgers. And uh, a little more optimism here. And uh, you know, what a division, right? You're what eight? We're like eight games under 500 or seven games under 500. We're only five and a half out. So that uh, bring in the young blood. It seems to be a trend in baseball. Put them in the minors for a couple years and. Uh, and bring them up. Well, that uh, Cincinnati team is. Uh, I, I was listening. And I know we have markets to talk about. They actually want to talk to you for sure on how, how volatile these uh, this ten year rate has been. But uh, what do you make? I saw Maddie. I just last happened to listen to the score f- for like two minutes the other day, and they were talking about Otami, oh, who's going to you know deserves a lot of money. The guy's special, but he's looking to get his more money than all eight guys of the of the Braves that are in the All Star game are paid combined. <laughs> And I just, you know, you wonder what the what the seasons as long as they are and people getting injured and so forth. I mean, you wonder if that ever is a good idea, Joel. You really do. Uh, well, the Tigers did it, right? Uh, they, they did it with uh, Biggie uh, several, several years ago. And uh, they're just coming to the end of that contract. Now, they got couple, you know, close a couple times in the World Series. They never did get over the hump. Uh they still kind of paid dearly. We had to, you know, had to trade Verlander and Scherzer, which, you know, the Mets uh, quietly overpaid for. But, man, when you're there and you're trying to get over the top, and sometimes it's necessary. Other times you make the trades and you try and rebuild. But, uh, you know, putting a lot of money. And if you want to talk to the Tigers about that, it, it, uh, it's not always a good thing. What do you make of this uh – I can't believe that the, that the uh, ten years back under four percent. Where did it top out at the other? Like four point six? I mean, you know, Chief, you're saying that the bond market, you know, or that uh, you know the the numbers are not going to reflect the inflation is out there. But I'm looking at the thirty year bond, and I mean, there is absolutely no optimism up there for uh, for rates to to uh, go steady or or you know the possibility of going down. I mean, look at the uh, whether you look at the 30-year bond or or the TLT, uh, I mean that the stock market can ignore the bond market for for quite some time, and that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing some separation. But if you were just strictly looking at the bonds, you would say, "Hey, the Fed is far from done." Well, wh- why would you? I mean, I think, well, this, as you know, this is my my theory, uh, well founded, by the way, in monetary theory. The inflation bubble that these guys put into the place is is of, is of the the value or the the number of thirty five to forty percent. That's what they in in two and a half years they increased the money supply by forty percent, and the next year and a half of allegedly fighting the inflation, that's come it's down four percent. So what the hell kind of fight is that? Just saying, a weak one, a very a, a feeble one. <laughs> So I mean, anybody who thinks that there's not, I mean, there's inflation, Joel. You, you haven't even thought about trying to get a roof, trying to get some windows, trying to anything that you haven't done in two years and compare it to where it was two and a half, three years ago, and it's thirty-five, forty percent right on the number, higher than it was. Except, except buying a TV. Except for buying a TV, <laughs> but how many TVs do you need? I mean, yeah, you're right. Except for buying a TV, and except for your, your cell phone bill. 
no, it's there. But you know what? The market, the market is uh, is 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 showing a different story. We'll we'll have uh, we'll have the data. I mean, there's the comparisons are are going to start to get uh, more difficult. I think you know, listening. I don't listen to the other Fed heads, but I thought it was a, a hawkish pause last time and. Uh, you know, some people are agreeing. I kind of feel more disagreement over there. But, uh, you know, market's looking through rose-colored glasses right now. We got our major resistance up there at 4,500, and we take that yeah. out. And it'd be hard to uh, make a case against uh, not making new all-time highs this year. I, that's just, I would that's agree. just what the numbers say. Okay. okay. I got a hop. All right, blue. We'll take care. SP okay. Futures up 7. Is if he's up 31, we're going right to Kenny. Kenny, how are you, bud? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hanging. We had a, a nice weekend here. Uh, we, you know, we had last weekend was kind of a washout. This weekend, nice. I hear you guys are hotter than hinges of hell in Florida. I talked to a client down there yesterday. Yeah, no, I'm actually up in Cape Cod for the month of July. I was in Nantucket over the weekend. It was absolutely beautiful. Wow, I was at. I went to Cape Cod once for a few days. Of course, it rained the whole time. Right after I graduated college, we spent some time in uh, West Dennis. What a nice place. You know where that is? Yeah, the cat. Listen, I grew up here as a kid, right? So for me, it's like coming home. And so uh, we came up. We took the month of July and came up to the Cape, and then we'll go back to Florida in, in August. Well, one of my uh, buddies from college, his dad and his mom always they had a little place, maybe you two blocks. Yeah, I'm here. They had, they had two blocks off yeah. on the uh, on the Cape from the from the uh, water. And, yeah. Uh, three three fingers of property became available, and he bought one of them. I guess they could have swung the three, but they bought one of them. Kenny was the nicest spot. They had uh, the West Dennis Beach. All you had to do was walk left like yep. three houses and walk around, and you're on the, the road to the beach. It was right there. But yep. behind the beach came a, a, whatever you call it, a little finger of water down to the river so you could just sail out to the river and out to the ocean. Yep. So you had the water and the beach right there. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I, I had a nice time for yeah. three days, even yeah, though it rained. Yeah, we are. I'm in... Yeah, so we're at Buzzards Bay, which is just on this side of the Bourne Bridge. So, okay. you know, it's quote-unquote the mainland side. And so people that go down over the bridge, down further down the Cape, like West Dennis or Harwich or Chatham, they'll say to me, you know, you're not on the Cape. And I'll go, well, that's interesting because I'm right at the mouth of the Cape Cod Canal. And I take them, I jump out, walk out of my house right down to the beach, jump in my boat, and I can be at Woods Hole and Martha's Vineyard in 40 minutes. Wow. Did, why, why didn't there used to be you know, a rail, didn't there used to be a railroad out there and they, they, they bleep can why it'd be a perfect geez. spot to have a railroad I would think Are we having trouble with Kenny there, yeah there is a railroad there is a railroad but it's not anything like New York you know where they where they uh, it's very seasonal and the st- it's difficult to take it's not very efficient okay. but yes they do have a railroad well good for you what do you think what do you make of this market what do you, were you uh, riding the interest rate bus the last few days pretty good or what? Or that's, they, all of a sudden that's become... Yeah, I'm here. I don't know why you're, you're breaking out. I'm hearing you. Matty, are we having an issue? Yeah, there seems to be a delay. I don't know if he's having an internet connection. <laughs> hey, Kenny, if you can hear us, hang up and call back in. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. You know, I, I thought last week we were going to see them. Yeah, he's are got, you there? Well, yeah, we're here. You're, you're blinking in and out. All right. Are you going to dial back in? Yeah, he's going to dial back in. We'll right. give him a second. I, that was weird. It sounded. Yeah. Like, it seemed like there was a delay. So when after he would he would talk, he wouldn't hear anything for like yeah. five seconds, and then you would start talking, and he'd be like, "Hello." <laughs> I think the, the the government's cutting him off. 
Well, he's out, you know, he's out in the wilderness, uh, so, uh, you know, the internet connection's probably not as good as it normally is for him. Are you saying uh, that the Cape Cod is a... Uh, all right, Matty, what's the difference while I've got you? What's the difference between a competitive balance round and a compensation pick? Good question. I, I assume uh, competitive balance is some sort of penalty for teams that, that spend, outspend spend everyone else. We got him back? We got him back. Kenny, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, this time we're good. Oh, yeah, right. Before, um, before we, you was like you were on a, a tape delay, like if you were on uh, something. But now you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I thought last week that we were going to start to see the market pull back. I think it has to happen. We were talking about it. We had two days of a pullback. Uh, and then yesterday we saw the market rally again, although today it's struggling. Uh, I think futures are up just slightly as we head into CPI and PPI uh, and then earning the official start of earnings season. But uh, to, but like your prior guest said, I think that uh, the market's a little bit dis, uh, uh, disconnected to what the bond market's telling you. And I also think that investors just think that the party's never going to end, and that's going to be the problem, right? Is that uh, when it happens, it'll happen quick. Uh, and I do expect it to happen, but uh, and I'm prepared for it, right? I'll be buying defensive names, not chasing tech for sure. Well, Kenny, what do you make of this, the statement? I'll just lob this out there. I'm not asking you to agree. I think one of the big differences between the bond market and the and the the uh, stock market is the the bond market is a looks at the inflation numbers and sees that the rates are going to eventually go up if inflation is high. But the stock right. the stock market is just like buying chicken. If if the right. if the inflation number is high, the stock market inflates just like chicken. There, there's a big difference. I mean, if you double if you if you double the money supply you're going to double the stock market you're not going to double the bond market no that's right but the but the the money supply hasn't the money supply come in or is it didn't it's, it come it, in last week it was it did, well first of all you only get it for the month the, unless you unless you're one of the few people who still gets the weekly numbers the rest of us don't uh that, right uh, i'm gonna say i just looked at it yesterday kenny and from uh, february of 2020 to whatever it was last year the money supply was up 40 percent and in the 16 months, these creatures right. have been fighting inflation with, 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 you know, with teeth and, and toenails and everything. It's down right. four. It's down four percent. They've barely, right. made, they've barely made a budge. Right, and they're not going to make a budge if they keep printing the money and they right. keep creating. Uh, you know, M2 keeps growing. It's not going to. It's not going to come down. It's going to get more difficult. Um, and which is why I think you started to see even. You know, yesterday, Mary Daly, who came out of her cave after the uh, Silicon Valley uh, Bank debacle, uh, she came out of her cave saying that, you know, rates need to go up. The rates need to go up. Um, The other ones, Kashkari and Bullard, rates need to go up. So I think 6%, which is the terminal rate that I think they want to get to, which is a rate that Loretta Mester has been yapping about for six months now. She said that's where it has to go to begin with. Uh, everyone else tried to say no, but I think that's where it is going to go. And then I think that investors are going to have to look around and and uh, reprice the valuations because we're trading like 19.6 times, which is well ahead of the 10-year average, which is around 17, 17.4 times. So we're well ahead of that in a rising rate environment where – uh, you know, potentially we're going to have a a landing. I don't think it's going to be a crash anymore, but I don't think it's going to be a soft either. I think it's going to be kind of somewhere in the middle, and investors are going to have to come to come to the realization that um, they can't look through they can't look at the market through rose colored glasses any longer. Well, they still. I think there needs to be. Well, I don't know where these guys are. I mean, if we sit in the room, who knows if they tell us? Are you comfortable with the fact that you've pumped 
all the prices up 35 40%. Are you just going to go on from here and say we're not going to let it go up anymore, so we'll stop the, quote, inflation rate, but leave right. the price bubble? Or are you going to attack the price bubble? I don't think they're going to attack the price bubble. I think they're going to they're going to be happy with a 2% rate if they ever get there going forward from here and totally ignoring what they've essentially done in the last three years. I, which, well, they're which, not going to get to a 2% rate if they, keep, if they keep increasing the money supply. They're just not going to get there, right? Well, they're not because increasing they're, it. They're just, they're just not decreasing it very fast. Okay, so if they're, okay, they're not decreasing it fast enough, I guess, right? Well, they're not attacking um, the, the 40% bubble at all. Right, and they're not going to get there. No. But listen, Jay Powell has made it very clear that you know he thinks the market is too frothy. He need he thinks the market needs to come in. Well, that's great. I think a lot of people think that the market is a little bit frothy and needs to come in based on where we are with uh, the economic outlook, where we are with rates, how high a rate's going to go. In fact, once they get to six percent, they're going to hold them. Are we even going to see a rate cut? Certainly not in twenty twenty three. I'm not even sure we're going to see a rate cut in, in the first half of twenty twenty four anymore. Um, just because I don't see how I don't see how that's going to happen. I don't see the economy slowing down that much that they're going to start to cut rates. And if it does slow down that much, then you have to be careful what you wish for because then it'll be that crash landing that'll happen very quickly. Uh, my question is, uh, well, I have a lot of questions for you. Like, we could talk for hours, but what do you what do you make of what happens if it's a big article on CNBC last night? If you read it, a big article it was an article, and uh, they're talking about how. Asian nations, because China's in such a bleep hole they're in, they're going to start chasing rates the other way. So you, you might have some, comp, you know, you got like Britain and other people going up faster than us because they're actually trying to fight fight their inflation. What do you think happens right. if China and and Japan or somebody goes the other way? I mean, that's gonna be, what is that going to do to the currency rates and stuff? Yeah, I mean, that'll be a problem if you get China starting to cut, get aggressive on the, the downside, considering, to your point, the ECB and the Bank of England have made it very clear, as well as, by the way, a bunch of other banks. Reserve Bank of Australia has made it clear that it's going higher. Uh, Sweden is going higher. Norway's going higher. So all these other central banks are starting to push higher. So it will be, I think, a conundrum if if China decides to start going the other way. But look. I don't believe a whole lot that comes out of China. One day, you know, their economy's strong. The next day, oh, my God, it's weak. Next day, oh, no, you know, it's strong again. So I take everything that comes out of China with a grain of salt, um, which is why I don't put a lot of focus, like people say to me, you know, what do you buy in China? Wait, 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 wait. Kenny, right you don't think a, a, a place with a billion and a half people can change day to day? I guess it can because it does, right? Day to day, depending on the depending on which way the wind is blowing, either it's stronger or it's weak. It's stronger or it's weak. I mean, it changes every single day. It's ridiculous. Whatever the attitude is of the of talking heads on TV, it changes. Oh man, these, these Chinese guys are yeah. doing great. The next day, I don't know, doing so hard. I mean, okay, then. Right, like right, like they say, you know, uh, oil demand in China is weak. It is not weak. China's no. buying oil like it's going out of style. They're buying it from Russia. They're buying it from anywhere they can get it. Right. Um, and they're going to stockpile it. And so demand in China is not weak at all. And by the way, I don't think demand in the U.S. is weak either. Um, and I think you're going to start to see that, right? And the Saudis are going to, Saudis and Russians are going to cut production again in August because they need the price of oil to be $80 or better in order to support their infrastructure lifestyle, right? I mean, they can produce oil for, for the, in the teams, but they need it to be $80 a barrel in order to support everything they want to do over there. Kenny, do you think, uh, we got a couple minutes left, Economic question: Do you think that the the Saudis have have the? Uh, I don't. I don't think that the oil market is inelastic enough now for them to be able to manipulate it like they used to be able to. 
But back, I, back you know, in, in your my day, when I say that, let me explain for what I'm talking about. In, in, you in my yeah. day, if they cut their production 10%, the price yeah. went up 15 or 20 So they actually up, made up, ended up ahead of the game money-wise. I don't think right. they're there anymore. I think now if they cut their, their, or cut their production 20%, the price goes down 2%, and they've got less cash in the bank. No, I don't think so. I think if they cut, because look, they just cut on July 1st, and now they're going to cut again on August 1st. Um, and oil, you know, last uh, two weeks ago, oil was trading at 65. It's now trading at 70, almost 73 and a half, and it's testing intermediate term resistance. I think, no, I, I'm in the other camp. I, I think, I don't think it's as elastic as it used to be to your point i think you know when we were when we were much younger i think they had much more of a role in controlling the price of oil i still think they can uh and i think they do because we now we're no longer the swing producer the way we were under the prior administration so i think that was that's part of the problem if we become the swing producer again then i think the answer is no i don't think they can control as much as we can but But right now i just i I think they're held back I'm thinking they might be on the bubble. If they cut themselves 10%, I don't think they can yeah. guarantee a 10% increase in price like they used to be able to. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, well, I, what do you, we're going to find out. Why do you, um, not a political question, I don't really like, why, you're about the 10th person that has mentioned to me the difference in the administrations, and yet just about all the decrease in oil production, I'm not saying it was his fault, came in the Trump administration when the oil got down to whatever it was and we went down from however many rigs the, the 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 huge dip in rigs came when Trump was in I'm not saying it was his fault but the the idea that's why you and I know this oil thing is such a long term deal there's actually like twice as many rigs now under this guy's administration even though it doesn't like oil than there was under well, Trump I don't think I don't think well, the presidents even control this well to your point though oil had collapsed right yeah. it was trading down at 20 I mean it went negative there for a day and a half remember when that happened well that was that um, was that was IB Right. Yeah. And so the and so you know oil producers couldn't. I mean they were choking at death because it was well below even what even their break even point. Right. Now it's well above again. I think it's. I think it costs us in this country about forty five dollars uh, a barrel. Right. I think that's. Well, what, de- depending. That's depending price. on where you are, they're all different. Right. De- depending on where you are, but it's it's certainly not seventy dollars a barrel. Right. No. It's more no. Than a, somewhere between forties and fifties, I imagine. So up here we're making money. Um, but I think demand is strong. I think demand around the world is strong, uh, and I don't buy that argument that you know there's the, there's declining demand and the and the central banks are going to bring the global economy to a halt. I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't either. Right? Um, but the demand is is not. I mean, every year in the last, however, the individual demand per person, even with gas cars, you get twice as much mileage as you did 30 years ago. I mean. The, yeah. But then then you got an awful lot more people too around the rest of the world. So right. you're right. I. And, you know, yeah, the, and you've just got more demand, right? You've got you've got a crazy. I mean, I don't uh, by you. I mean, all you have to do is look at at any one of the airports. They're crazy people traveling everywhere they can go, all around the world. Not just Americans, but Europeans. Everyone's traveling everywhere. So there's much more demand for jet fuel, much more demand for um, diesel fuel in other parts of the world. And so I, I don't think demand is declining at all. I guess only Kenny, increasing. If you, you're closer to this than me, if you had a guess, uh, last question. Right now, do you think the airline capacity is what it was before COVID? I think they're still probably down no. 15%, 20%. 
Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's anywhere near what it was prior to COVID, and that's bull, that's baloney too because we gave them all that money to kind of keep things status quo, and now you can't get enough people in the FAA, you can't get enough you know people flying the planes, you can't get enough stewardesses on the stewards and stewardesses on the planes. It's ridiculous. So no, I think it's I think it's below where it was pre-COVID. Yeah, I mean they're they're they've had a little bit of a cartel squeeze on the, the, the traveling public. I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Can you right? take and care of yourself? Cost, and- I like the idea. That, by the way, you're you're doing a lot better than the client I talked to in Florida was sweltering up in the Cape. Good idea on your part. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. SP Futures up nine. Nasdaq's up forty-one. Be right back, Professor Helsnar. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber, the board SP Futures now up 11. As if he's up 46. Looks like we're trying to make a comeback after kind of a crummy week last week. Uh, do we have the professor? Hey, good morning, Tom. How are you? Uh, hey, uh, Mr. Professor, I know you're interested in some of this, but how about bearing with me a second as I, I uh, since I have Mr. Weber here, which I only have one day a week now, and he's my sports maven. Where do you, where do you, well, I'll ask you first, Hal, where do you stand? How, how would you compare? A really good college player versus a really good high school player in a, in a baseball draft. I, I'd, I'd have real problems with that if I was the picker. What do you think? Wow, um, a 
real good college player versus a real good high school player. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what does Matt think? Yeah, man. What do you, I mean, I'm looking at the Tigers pick this kid. I'll just uh, read this real quick. They, in the third pick of the draft, they draft this guy named Max Clark out of Franklin Community High School in Indiana. One scout compared Clark, a Vanderbilt commit, favorably with the Cubs outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong. Now, if the guy goes to Vanderbilt, they lose the pick, right, Manny? They, they compare him to Pete Crow the, Armstrong. But they, get a, but they get some sort of uh, compensatory pick for that. They must be one of the picks we're talking about. Yeah. But I don't know if you want – boy, you don't want to pick after the first round when you got a third round Exactly. Pick. You better be confident he's signing with you. Uh, yeah, the reason – so my thought on that briefly is – I really don't like taking a high school kid if I can avoid it. Now, there's can't-miss high school talents, like Bryce Harper was one of them, and you know, there's many over the Kerry years. Wood. Kerry, Kerry Wood. Uh, but Kerry Wood, you could argue, was a, was, was a failed pick in, in some ways. Now, he, he ended up having a, a pretty good career as a reliever after he couldn't make it as a starter because of all the injuries. The talent was obviously there, but you know, it, you're getting worked like crazy. There's a couple reasons. One, the, there's risk, like Pete Chief just pointed out. You take a high school kid, there's risk he won't sign with you, and then you lose that pick. Um, and, and if it's later in the draft, maybe you don't care, but if it's a top three pick, that's, that's a big deal. Uh, two, high school guy is probably, at best case, six years away from making it to the big leagues. Unless you're Al Kaline or somebody. Yeah, and even, I mean, even the, 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 the best of the best are you know three years away. But probably he's you know, 23, 24 years old before he makes it to the big leagues, whereas a college guy is typically two years before he makes it to the big leagues. Now, that's not always the case, but I'm saying for a top 10 pick, that's usually how it would go. So your your uh, weight on, on your return is, is much slower or, or, or if you take a high school guy. And then lastly, you see it all the time where a guy's drafted in high school, not necessarily a top five pick, but, you know, maybe a 10th round guy or something is drafted in high school, decides to go to college, and then by the time he's eligible in college, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, he's not even a guy you would draft again because he his his trajectory didn't pan out like you like you thought it would, because there's still so much time between you know the draft and, and when he's big league ready when you take a guy to high school. Now you also see it sometimes where uh, a guy you know is drafted in the twentieth round out of high school and then out of college he's drafted in the the second round. Well, in that case, there's a lot of value by taking a high school guy in the later rounds. But in the first round, I really want to take can't miss you know college guys if if, if I can. And that's sort of what. Uh, my philosophy. What premium do you two uh, Mavens put on during the College World Series? And they were kept talking about the guys that spent the last summer in the Cape Cod League to prove they could hit with wooden bats were a real premium too. Do you put a premium on that? I don't, I've never even thought of that, but evidently, it's, I'm sure it's probably something you want to consider. Well, I mean, they do they do have ways of projecting the way a guy hits with an aluminum bat, how he'll hit with a wood bat. But if you can actually see a guy hit with a wood bat in a competitive environment like that league, then I, I'd say it's a good thing. I don't think it's a deal breaker or anything, but I think it's, it's, it's more data. There's a great line here, though, about this guy. It's a fair consideration, but keep in mind that certainty is for the funeral director and the tax man, not the baseball scout. <laughs> what would you say about economists, like economic professors? Are they as certain <laughs> as, as, the, as the funeral director or the tax man? Or <laughs> well, the, the good ones are uh, like Bill Clinton. It depends on what the word is means, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you asking me? I, in what context do you want my answer? Right? <laughs> God. Yeah, and then economists are really good at uh, when they're asked a question they don't know the answer, they kind of spin the dialogue in a different direction. 
<laughs> hey, well, that's that one. The, the guy who comes on from Wharton and TV does it all the time. But whatever, well, that's whatever. anyone with yeah. good media training. That's right, true. Chief? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you always talk about that. I mean, I call I call it pulling a Sarah Palin. Right? Yeah. Don't answer the question you can't answer. Answer the question that you're not asked that you can't answer. Exactly. You you pivot to something that you do want to talk about. Well, you pivot to your message. You <laughs> exactly. don't want to, don't want to lose your message. Yep. So what? So what? You yeah, but Sarah Palin was at least hot. I mean, I, I, I yeah. couldn't get away with that. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I, I think she was very attractive early in her career. Um, I don't know what happened to her. I saw on the Gutfeld show. Um, I don't know six months ago or so. It's called. And... It's called age, Hal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what happens to all of us. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, she she actually looked like a, uh, you know a lot of my friends on Facebook are grandmas and. They don't look like grandmas from the nineteen, no, you know, sixties, no. seventies, and Sarah kind of looks like a grandma that uh, went to the beauty shop a lot. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it is. I mean, I, I remember those days. Uh, you know, my what my parents and all the neighbors and stuff looked like, and uh, they, you know, my mom actually looked great, but she was always one of these. She was one of the few people that was working out till she was eighty, still going to yoga classes and stuff, but. Uh, well, your your mom did that. Oh God, yeah, she was one of the originals. She well, she's sitting a first tran- lady, a trendsetter. Huh? Well, first lady who had a bike in the neighborhood and the whole bit. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> but no, she she never had. She was still taking college classes at St. Xavier's, you know, for older people, the history and stuff, and still doing her yoga and bowling and everything else until six months before she died. I mean, and, uh, she never gained an ounce, and she was in great shape. Uh, now, me on the other hand, I've gained a few ounces, but but I mean, you look at those people. There's a guy. Uh, uh, Economics guy the other day, and he was talking about how he was showing pictures of his dad who went to World War II and, uh, you know, fought and God knows how many things, and all they did was smoke and drink over there as much as they could. Everybody smoked, they gave everybody free cigarettes. And uh, then he came back and worked in some factory and whatever else. He showed a picture of his dad at 46 and a picture of him at 64. You absolutely would have guessed that he was younger than the old man, hmm. without question. Uh, and we talk about a hard life. I mean, a lot of I mean, it's a, yeah. it, it takes its toll on you. I mean, it, it does. Oh, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I mean, fighting uh, in yeah. wars and doing physical labor compared yeah. to what people do today. It's yeah. It's got to be. A, it's a, a complete dif- difference. Yeah. I mean, pl- well, the smoking's oh, yeah. smoking's a huge thing. And smoking for yeah. forty years. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my brothers. My brothers smoke, and I think they still drink quite a bit. And um, when you look at me and my brothers, I don't. I don't smoke at all. And I might have a beer like every six months, maybe um, if that. And I rarely finish it. You had one. You had one um, with us. Yeah, I did have. Yeah, but I think the last time I, I can't remember the last time I had one. But uh, my brothers, you know, they they like to smoke and they like to drink, and uh, it puts it puts some time on you, man. It does. Man, I think especially he just, smoking. I think he just said the last time he had a drink is when we were buying. You know what he said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll have one. I'll have one or if I have two beers in it, and I, th- I thought you had one of those. It's things. a high alcohol beer. I I, uh, I will black out. Seriously, my my nickname in the, in the navy was two beers, capital T, capital B. Yeah, it's a it, it, you know. I one night my my brother uh, we had we used to have a nice deal over at the club here. Um, he makes his own beer, so on Friday he'd get off the train and walk into the club, and they'd put his beer. He'd, he'd carry in about ten, eight bottles of his you know big bottles of his stuff. They'd put it in the fridge over at the club, and Friday night we'd all work out, go over there, and people would you know, like they love to drink Dan's beer, but it was pretty strong stuff. And one night, but yet Mayor Daly comes in, and he's there's a there's a party because his girl who had been his trainer forever was moving to Michigan, 
he's sitting there and he starts drinking my brother's beer and I don't think my brother knew he was drinking it and didn't say, hey, Mayor, that stuff's 9% alcohol. Be careful. All of a sudden, the mayor's trashed. <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> and he's got this big dinner to go to, and he's telling me, all right, tell you how much I like the White Sox. I'm going, Mayor, you, you, got, you, got, you got anywhere you're going? That I, I'd love to be a nice guy. But he, he had no idea that this beer was like drinking three times a regular beer. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know if he made it to his, his dinner or not. I'm guessing he didn't. But I didn't hear any blowback. Like, where's that guy? We did that guy that brought the beer. We're going to take him out or something. But uh, any, <laughs> but hell, there's all kinds of stuff going on. We've got Secretary of Treasury going to China to do God knows what. We've got... Yeah. Some places threatening to lower rates while we're raising ours. Uh, we've got a stock market, like Joel says. The stock market is is so weird that if there's if the inflation is high, it's going to go down for like a day. But if the inflation is high, the market's going to go up with the inflation, which it already has. It's kind of the weirdest stuff happening all in the same day I've ever seen in my lifetime. And, and, and well, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff going on, man. You got the yield curve, which will not break. It is. It's pretty solid, negative. Depending on which one you're looking at. Well, it did the last the ten-year. The ten-year made it to four point six last week. It had a huge move, and then it came right back down. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the the uh, Fred database numbers, yeah. and over a couple uh, like last year or so, it's, it's pretty steady. Um, where it is right now, it's pretty steady negative. I mean, it'll it'll move. In that in a small range, but it's pretty steady, both with the uh, difference in the ten year and the two year and the ten year and the three month. They're pretty steady in their area, but so if, that's kind of weird. But if then you on top of that, you have say so if you would have had the spread on where you are betting, investing that the ten is going to come up in relation to the to the six month. Last week you had a huge winner for about eight hours. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and now you don't. Yeah. You you had a, you had a day to take it off instead of yeah. saying it. Well, yeah. I, I don't have up the minute information, and I'm not trading by the hour like you know you probably are. Uh, I'm you know, I'm looking at kind of like longer uh, term runs here, not like within the day. But if you just look at because I think what you have is a lot of noise in the day, and you know people overreact, and you have algorithms that probably. Uh, create an overreaction. So if you look at a longer uh, term, it's pretty settled in, and it seems like it's like, is it the new normal? Well, la- last week you were because of the holiday, you were not on. It was I think it was Wednesday morning. Maddie wasn't here last week either. Wednesday morning, I was doing traffic, weather, and sports the first time in the morning, and the ten-year rate had gone from three point six something up to like three point eight, right? Well, they sold a trillion dollars worth of right. but, and, and bonds. I, but, yeah, I'll get to. And, and this is it's six thirty. I said, it looks like yeah. it might be going to make its way to four. At seven thirty, it was four oh six. And then yeah. after the after the number came out at one point on Thursday morning, I think it hit four point six, and now it's back under four. So I'm saying you had a massive winner if yeah. you if you'd. Have, I mean, the, the, the spread, the yield curve moved nine tenths of a point. In, in 48 hours, and now it's right back down. Yeah. It's, it, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's hovering right pretty steadily uh, over the course of the last few months, right around 1. Yeah. Negative 1. 1.8. It's pretty steady. And so maybe the Fed was uh, doing some uh, massive auctions that particular day, and it caused all kinds of 
adjustments to those rates. I don't know. Maybe they flooded the markets. Yeah, maybe the they one, just dumped a lot of uh, securities at that point. Yeah, the 1.6 you're talking about that's been steady forever collapsed in yeah. half for a 24-hour wow. period, then it came right back to 1.6. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at just uh, the the two-year, the 10-year minus the two-year, it's holding kind of steady at minus one. So those are pretty negative slopes for the old curve. Well, if, if you it, look at it all if, the way back to the 1980s, it's pretty, it's pretty negative. But if you take the Fed out of it, which is hard to do, but if you took the yeah, Fed you can't out, take the Fed out of it. You can't. Do but, that. But, but but if you look at it and you say, what does? And I know God bless you. You ought to be able to do this. But we we we're both laughing at how stupid it is to even try. But you you should look at you should look at it and say, okay, the the risk free rate is is three, right? Which it ought to be or two point five. And then there's the inflation expectations. And yeah. if you look at it, you're going to say, okay, that means today that people's inflationary expectations are are 2.5%, when they're obviously a lot higher than that. And oh, by the way, in 10 years, this Fed's going to be so successful that the inflation's going to be bound to less than one. Hell, who believes that? Maybe some government workers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that. So somebody taking their taking pills of their own chemicals or something. I mean, something. Yeah. It's not. Even, you look at the ten. You look at the ten-year tip spread and the five-year tip spread, and they're pretty solid in at elevated levels historically. I think the ten-year tip spread's about two point five, and it's been hovering in that area, pretty close to that for like the last um, four or five months. I mean, maybe even longer than that. It's pretty. It's pretty steady at two point five. Well, do you think? So I, think f- I think, and that 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 includes that that's investor expectation, right? So that inc- all that stuff is priced in. But uh, my what I'm, the question I'm clumsily trying to get to is it investor expectation, or is the Fed so deeply involved? I mean, for the last twenty years, if you look at what the inflation rate has really been and where the interest rates have really been, the real rates. We've, we've basically been in a negative, when I say the, the nominal rates, the, the real rate of interest has been negative for 20 years. Yeah, do, I agree with think, that, yeah. Do you think they can pull that off for another 10? I, You know, I guess they're going to try. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what the Fed can do. I mean, the Fed, it, it wants to be restrictive, but at the same time, is it really being restrictive when lending is still way above prebendic trends? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the Fed can do. If it tightens any more, it's going to cause a severe recession. Well, they, but they, if it doesn't tighten, it's going to reinflate. Okay, now what you just said, they they blew the money supply up thirty nine point six percent in two and a half years. In the yeah. year and a half since they've been supposedly fighting it, they brought it back down three point nine percent. Now you can call that a fight if you want, but it's a pretty feeble one. What 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 are they even doing? You think I, I can't even? I don't even know what they're doing. I, I think they're saying that. The inflation right now, the the price level we're just going to have to deal with, and we're just going to cut it. We're just going to make sure it doesn't go up too fast going forward. I I think that's the policy they're in. Are they admitting that? I mean, what what are they doing? They're not they're not really trying to fight. If they were really trying to fight before, they'd be hacking this thing down by ten percent in the next six months. But they're not about to do uh, that. Honestly, I think there is such trouble that I think the current leadership is just trying to weather the storm. I don't I don't think they know what they they can do. I don't I don't think they know anything at this point. I mean, I think uh, they're just, I think they're just trying to run out the clock and pass this football on to the next person. Because whoever takes this over is going to have a real mess. I mean, you look at housing. 
I mean, our the housing, the all, all transaction house price index in the United States is sitting at basically 600, and it was at about 390 during the bubble. That's where it peaked during the bubble, and since the pandemic, it has almost gone straight up. So who benefits from that? Well, average Americans don't. No. So there's a, there, it, it created a huge amount of inflation, and we're seeing it in home prices. And nobody talks about the home uh, market being a bubble. It is a massive bubble. And okay. to me, it seems like it's going to pause. And if the Fed tightens, it's going to pop. Well, one of the but if the Fed doesn't tighten, it's going to reinflate and go even higher. Well, one of the the Nancy comes on every Monday. I don't know if you listen to her at all, but she uh, came out with one last week. Ninety-two percent of people who have homes right now have. Uh, Mortgage rates under four percent because they all refinance and like nobody's moving. Yeah. So I mean, yesterday Audrey was on and uh, Jan Flanagan and they both are tight with that market. Obviously, Audrey obviously is it's her living. Um, the I said okay, if I'm just the economist, I'm going to be Hal Snar here for a second. If you if you give a class in elementary economics and you say a house is where it's going for four hundred grand and the mortgage rate is three percent. And now the mortgage rate goes to six and a half. What happens to the price of the house? If if the kid doesn't say it's it's going to be down to two forty, he gets an F. Okay, yeah. but the fact is yeah. they're not going down to two forty. No, no, they're they're staying up there. Yeah, it's crazy. But because because no, yeah. nobody's moving unless yeah unless you have nobody to wants to sell. And, and uh, the people who do sell last Audrey's last, oh not all of them. I don't pay attention to all her people, but I would say they're they're people that bought a house. 15 years ago are selling that place it's roughly fully paid for and they're either going to go upsides or downsides with some massive down payment or pay cash and those people are still in the market it's almost like like 10 percent of homeowners are still in the market there hasn't been a whole lot of new building in the areas where people want to be so the prices are hanging in there so it's almost like when you give a test you say other things being equal <laughs> what happens to these prices <laughs> Well, evidently, there's a lot of other stuff that's not equal. But like yeah. you're saying, one of these days, you're going to run out of gas. Somebody somewhere yeah. is going to have to move. God help us if we go into a recession and everybody gets laid off and has to sell their house and move somewhere else. That, that's going to be a fiasco if that happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, I somehow or another, it's I, hanging together. I don't know like, where the Fed's going. I don't know where the Fed's going to go. But you're I mean, right. It's, to... it's hanging together <laughs> somehow. It's, it, they're hanging on, I think. They're hanging on by a thread. And I think they're going to run out the clock until their term's up and then pass this colossal mess that they've created onto the next person. And that person's going to get the blame. Because right now, if they if they tighten anymore, if they keep tightening, we're going to have a deep recession. The housing bubble is going to burst. It's got to. But they don't want that to happen. So they're probably they're trying to play both sides of the fence here. And if they if they resume what they were doing in the past home prices are going to go soar even higher. So I, I think they're really, really stuck. Yeah, I think they are, and too. And that's, that's what happens when you intervene in markets like... I mean, we got away with it for a while, but when you intervene in markets like we're doing now, um, you get crazy things. And that's why I think you're seeing these crazy movements in the stock market that you were mentioning earlier. There's so much intervention in the markets right now, it's unreal. I mean, for example, if you want to end this dang war in Ukraine... Let's let's loosen up the energy markets, unleash it. We'll okay. We'll we'll print a bunch of crude oil. We'll drill a bunch of uh, uh, natural gas. 
will dump that on the market, drive the prices of crude oil and natural gas down to historic lows, bankrupt Russia. Russia gets out of the war. They can't fight the war anymore. Ukraine is liberated. And in the meantime, we can build these next-generation nuclear power plants to power the electric vehicles that government wants us to drive in the future. Wait, but hell, policymakers hell, aren't even doing hell, that. Hell, that's way too long-term thinking. They're not so, doing that. No, well, so, obviously, they're, they're profiteering from this war. Well, some people are. Yeah. Well, people have always been... There's always yeah. been... Uh, is my uh, mother... But, hey, it's not, it's not me no. and our, my neighbor. It's uh, D.C., the Beltway. Well, it, Every time there's a war, some people profit and some people's kids die, and they're usually not the same people. Yeah. Well, I think I think most of the people in the United States, probably everybody under 80th, the 80th percentile in terms of household medium income, I guarantee you they're not profiting from this thing. Oh they're, God, the no. people at the top are the te- people at the top are profiting. They from have, this the, war. I think the people on the top have so much though; they don't even know what to do with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, they do. You look at I looked at hedge fund. Uh, margin debt last night. I couldn't sleep. I'm looking at margin debt last night, and margin debt from hedge funds went from basically zero, and it exploded about four years after interest on reserves was put in place to help the Fed, quote unquote, fight the housing bubble crisis. It just exploded, and I'm wondering what happened in 2012. What rule happened, or did they just discover it late? But you see a huge increase in margin debt from 2012 on for hedge funds. And it it has to coincide with the Fed's balance sheet and just printing money. So you look at who's benefiting. It's definitely the top 1%. So anybody that says the Fed is trying to, um, you know, give it these, these uh, you know, the Fed is trying to help the economy. The Fed is trying to help the worker. It's trying to maximize employment. It's all smoke and mirrors. Well, it, the people that benefit from this current regime are the ultra wealthy. You know, the biggest the biggest benefit factor is the government. Yeah, right. Inflation. Well, well local local governments love this appreciation home prices. They they love the appreciation and the uh, yeah. price of everything. They get to, yeah. with a ten percent sales tax every time something goes up a yep. buck, they get a dime. Exactly, yeah. But I mean, why, why is the, you know, it's, it's when this book happened the first time in my lifetime, uh, when I came in, you know, later during the mess, but it started in 68, and it was, it had to be obvious to everybody, it sure as hell was to me, that when you have an inflationary period, I mean, let's put it this way, if everybody tomorrow, if they just said every dollar bill in your pocket is now a $2 bill, and everything just doubled. You just doubled the money supply, like almost like a stock dividend. Uh, it wouldn't affect anybody. Everything would just, if I owed you 20 bucks, now I owe you 40, right? If I owed 50 grand on my mortgage, I now owe 100. Everybody would just adjust. Yeah, it, it, would, it wouldn't really change your lives. No, it right? wouldn't change your life. It, it would make us feel, feel uncomfortable because we, we remember the time when we bought eggs yeah. for free, and now we're paying $6 for eggs, but our income has been doubled. So, yeah, everything I mean, just... psychologically, we're affected. Yeah, but otherwise, it, but what happens is in inflation, it's so some people are winners and some people are losers. Oh yeah, so and it happens the, all the time. Inflation, the inflation, the inflation narrative of this helicopter money, it just doesn't exist. Well, you the, the, the money that's in, the money that's created goes to whoever buys those securities, right? And they benefit because they're they're purchasing assets that haven't appreciated yet, and by that by the time the money 
uh, makes it through all those transactions and gets to us, the prices have risen. Right. So we're not we're not able to buy these assets um, before those prices go up. But the the the, the financial elites they they're able to use this printed money to buy those assets before prices go up, and then, then they can uh, then they can uh, benefit as the prices on those assets go up. When you have a when you give a test, I assume you still do this. I mean, I, a long times in an economics class, and you say, assume a perfectly competitive world. Do students even know what the hell you're talking about? Well, I think they do on places like StockX. Kids today are uh, experimenting with economics in ways I can't even imagine. They're they're buying and selling uh, limited run shoes on this app called StockX. Oh yeah, I heard and about they that. Buy, they buy yeah, they buy shoes for like two hundred dollars. They wear them for a couple of months, take really good care of them, and because they're such a limited run, then they go turn around and like two months later and sell them for four hundred dollars. So they're experimenting with things like that. And government hasn't stepped in to protect them from speculation. <laughs> God. But I, I, what I'm saying is if, if you were to, in a perfectly competitive society, you know, grade me on this, Mr. Professor, over a long period of time, unless rules change, unless some kind of weird crap happens, there should be no advantage in, in renting or owning anything. Right? It all should come, come out in a wash... With with a, with a, with the normal rate of return, yeah, but that's not what's happened. We have absolutely no. favored people that own versus people who don't. Yeah, I mean the most amazing uh, set of that was uh, when I was a trader on the CBOE. We're going to break here in a second. I I had always hired people. I was a real believer in the business. Talk about being the dumbest man on earth. I was believer in the fact that. This was an entrepreneurial thing. This was a you know it's a great place to be. We were be making markets for a hundred years. And uh, why why do you want to own a seat when you put somebody on? You just lease a seat. And who would have thought that I had ten people working for me? That ten years later all of us would be out of a job, and the people who owned two of the seats changed all the rules to where the the owner that all of a sudden you make money by payment for order flow and charging for quotes and stuff, and now the seat owners, if you had two seats, you never have to work for the rest of your life. You'd never be yeah. else out of a job. And who would ever have dreamed something like that it could even happen? And yet it well, did. Well, that happens, that happens a lot well, in yeah. Yeah. the licensing realm, right? Like my, my friend Peggy from high school, she was trying to get a nursing degree, and all of a sudden the uh, nursing licensing group in Oregon decides that nurses... At that time, they added a class to their curriculum, Algebra 2 or something. And I'm thinking to myself, why would – and I was even a communist then. I was a young guy in the Navy. And I was thinking to myself, why would they require nurses in Oregon to take this new class in algebra? Previous nurses didn't have to take it. All of a sudden – and she was struggling with it, right? She chose nursing probably because she wanted to help people. And, and two, she probably wasn't very good at math. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this is pre-HAL economists. This is HAL in the Navy. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, they the the people who are running the system, they want to create a, a shortage of nurses. Oh, sure. Reduce yeah. the supply to drive their wages up. But that's not. But it happens a lot in licensing. Right, but that's not. It, it happened. Milton Friedman always his two his two biggest things he used to beat up on were cab drivers, how the city managed the amount of people instead of the market taking care of it, and yeah. the fact that the doctors got to figure out how many medical schools there were. 
you know, which which is you know like the, let's have the the wolf in charge of the hen house type of thing. Uh, yeah, Milton and I are a lot alike because we're always thinking like uh, like that, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, but it never changes. I mean, the world never yeah. changes. I mean, yeah, it doesn't. If he was alive today, and you were to ask him, okay, you're you're fed over a two year period, put a forty percent bulge in the money supply, he could have predicted every single thing that's happened right now, every single yeah. thing. Yeah. Guess what? The market's up forty percent. Everything's up forty percent, unless if you are a renter, your rent's up forty percent, and you got you got no income up forty percent. Yeah. Well, think about this. I just put together a chart on Fred, uh, Federal Reserve Economic Database. I took real disposable personal income. Real dispo- this is after-tax income, right? Real disposable, just for inflation. I divided by the population. And it fell, in the last year, 6.5%. Oh, without a doubt. Why, why, I mean, why? In the, the previous, re- previous recessions, the deepest it fell was maybe 2%. But it collapsed 6.5% in the last year. If, if you've got the average wage going up 3% and you have inflation of 10, where are you? 6.5, yeah. right? Yeah. It comes out, yeah. to, no matter how you, how you slice it, it comes out the same way, right? Yeah. SP Futures up 10, NASDAQ Futures up 40, be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 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 Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. 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 Right on Friday, we were kind of bullish all day, and then we, we ducked on the close and went down. Yesterday, we were kind of flat to maybe a little down all day, and we rose up on the close almost the same 
amount we went down the last 15 minutes on Friday, so kind of inconclusive. Now this morning we're trying the upside here. We'll see if it hangs in there. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 13, call that flat. Hang Seng up 180, that's a full 1%, but still under 19,000 as they had two horrible days at the end of last week. Shanghai up 17.6%. They've been much more buoyant than the Hang Seng. Uh, as a way of review, yesterday, the Dow up 200, but the S&P was only up 10, and NASDAQ up 24. And like I say, all that happened in the last, like, 15 minutes. Uh, Europe, DAX up 89.6%, FTSE down 18. 0.2%, CAC around up 76, that's a full percent. Uh, the UK is down because their wage growth came up much more than expected, and, uh, which adds to their inflation fears. They're considered to have the worst inflation. Maybe they're just counting it better than other people than anybody else. So that's why they've been kind of muted on their market lately. Uh, bonds down three basis points, under 4%, 3.98. We were up over 4% for the last three days. Uh, Bund unchanged, 2.63. Japan unchanged at uh, 0.46. Oil up 32 cents, 73.31. So continuing to creep to the upside. Now it's at the upper end of this range. It's been a sell here for a while. I don't know if it is this time, but we will see. Brent up 31 cents, uh, 78 even. Natural gas up 4 cents, 271. Arbob up a penny, 258. We've got gold. A little bit of a rally here, up uh, 760 to 1938. It's at a three-week high. It sure doesn't seem a three-week high in 1938, but it is. Uh, silver down four cents, 2330. Copper down a penny, 376. We've got crypto uh, down 263 now, 30,416. I say crypto, I mean Bitcoin. And the U.S. dollar is up a little bit against the euro. Euro is down to 109, but it's down against the pound. The pound's 129. The pound's looking like it's heading for 130 or something, which is the highest it's been in a real long time because uh, they keep raising their rates over there. That's what causes that to move. Matty, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a crash on I-57 northbound just before Dixie Highway. <laughs> That's causing stop-and-go traffic. Expect delays on I-57 as crews work on that crash. And just uh, west of there on I-80 on the westbound side before uh, US-45, which is 96th Avenue, exit 145, there is a crash blocking the left lane. And that's causing delays on the westbound side of I-80. So those are uh, the two crashes affecting uh, the south side right now. If you're coming in on Lakeshore Drive from the south side, uh, northbound just before Chicago Beach Drive, there uh, was an earlier crash that apparently just became clear, but there's still some resulting congestion from that crash. So a few accidents to report down south. That earlier crash on the Eisenhower inbound side just before Displains is all clear, uh, but we are seeing high traffic volumes on the Stevenson, Eisenhower, and Kennedy as you would expect here as folks are heading into downtown. Weather today, lots of sunshine early. Then we will have some thunderstorms rolling in this afternoon. We'll reach a high of 81. And then when the rain clears, uh, the temperatures are going to drop into the low 70s. Uh, So that'll feel uh, nice. Uh, Right now it is uh, mostly clear and 72, going up to a rainy high of 81 today. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 109. Right now it's clear and 94. In sports, as we talked about a lot during the first hour, Pat Fitzgerald is out at Northwestern, no longer their head football coach as he was fired amidst hazing and abuse allegations. And it was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the home run derby uh, last night in Seattle and the $1 million prize money. The all-star game itself will be played tonight in Seattle. That's a 7 p.m. Chicago time first pitch on Fox. Chief. The... uh I just want to talk real one second here, Hal, and then I want to get your guys' opinion, but not especially now that Maddie's here. He's my expert in this area. I, I, I'm thinking about why, because I'm, I can remember in 1982, um, 
this guy. I can't believe this guy died without them ever figuring out what the hell happened to the Tylenol stuff. A lot of things you see, Maddie, in your lifetime, all the little seals on bottles. Well, I was born in 1983, so that was not in my lifetime. That's what I'm saying. So all the <laughs> all, all like the seals you see on virtually every bottle, the fact that there are very few, unless you get something from the druggist, I don't think you can get a capsule anymore. Uh, all that stuff was because of this guy. I'm assuming he did it. I don't know if he did or not. Cause he was altering the pills? He, he, he took Tylenol. He must have bought it. Took it home. Uh, take, took the top off. Uh, essentially poured whatever is in the capsule out and put cyanide in there and brought it back to the store. Somebody did. So when you opened up your Tylenol, but there was no seal on it. You didn't put the factory seal back on. You know, you opened it up and you took a Tylenol and you croaked. And there were how many people <laughs> in the Chicago area? Crazy. And uh, they, the guy was never found. And obviously, every capsule in the world came off the shelves because you couldn't do that with a tablet, right? Right. So they ended up, and to this day, I don't think uh, Tylenol has capsules. And uh, I don't know, I don't buy that with those many drugs, but unless something you get from the pharmacist, does, any, does anybody have capsules anymore? I mean, I don't. I assume they do. Some vitamins are capsules. Yeah, right? I've, I've I've certainly had capsules before, but um, and seen them. I, I, I assume they're still on the shelves. But but now, like you said, there's everything is is sealed. If you were to if you were to buy um, anything at the pharmacy uh, off the shelf and took it home, and that seal was tampered with in any way, I mean, obviously you're not going to take it. Right. Because I mean, the fact that they never it was almost like the you know I guess the perfect crime. But you don't even know who the hell you're killing. I mean, you wonder what the motivation is for that. God. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know that story. I mean, I'm, I've maybe heard of it, but I don't know the details. I wonder if there's any good uh, documentaries on it. I'm sure there are. Oh yeah, I'm sure you'll be hearing it now because the guy. But they, they kept this guy drew pictures. The for prime him suspect. They never had enough evidence, huh? No, never had enough evidence. Even though they're, they're convinced he's the guy. And uh, but I also now that the Bodie is here, you, who's who's going to win? And I know uh, where Maddie's going to come out on this. Where I think who's going to win this? No cash, only cash war. It's it's springing up. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You don't hang too much on the South Side, Maddie, but a lot of the restaurants and help please opine on this. You know, downtown a ball game, whatever it is, not so much in the restaurants. I would. They don't want any, anything to do with cash. I mean, it's everything's a credit card. Uh, and a lot of people that I know, you know, don't even have checks or cash anymore. Kind of wonder about that, but that's you know, old guy, young guy. Yet on the South Side, everybody's starting to go with this three and a half percent especially the family restaurants, because they want to keep their costs down as much as they can. 3.5% premium for uh, for credit cards. And yesterday, I got my haircut on Saturday morning. guy who used to work in the Siebel building, of course there is no Siebel there anymore, so he sets up shop out in Westchester, and me being the loyal sack that I am, I drive out there to get my haircut. First thing, and it's, it's in a, this big uh, uh, beauty parlor type of place. Ladies hairdo, I mean, there's guys who go in there. So, of course, I go in there at 7.30 in the morning before everybody else gets in there because they don't like the idea of being a beauty parlor. But he's got his thing in the back. The first thing I see when I go to the door, no credit cards, no debit cards, no bembo, no whatever that stuff is. Cash or checks only. There, there, there's My a, haircut place is cash only also. It's <laughs> So, I guess, on and, and one hand, we got half the people trying to say you, you can't use cash. Everybody gets their 3.5% or whatever goes to the credit card. On the other hand, people saying we're not doing it at all. We're resisting to beat the band. Is this is this a is this a, a, a fracas brewing here or what? Well, I think I've been coming to New York before we moved here. We we come to New York like for two months every summer since probably I got married with my wife uh, in two thousand 
Well, we met in 2008. So I was, I've been spending at least two months every summer in New York. And we'd go to Manhattan before the kids, and we'd park our car. And I was really shocked by how many parking garages only accepted cash. And then you go into the bodegas. I remember going to a wedding one time, and I wanted to buy a, a you know disposable camera before I had my smartphone. And I remember going in there, and they didn't accept debit cards. They only accepted cash. And I'm thinking to myself as an economist, why are these businesses in New York where taxes are extremely high only accepting cash? Well, they're probably accepting cash, and they're using 1950s-style cash registers that have no digital trays to probably underreport their income. You think? So I think I think, think I think probably there's two yeah. I think there's two sides of the story. One, they can't the margins are so thin, they don't want to pay that three percent fee to Visa, right? They don't want to pay that fee. Two, they want that their margins are so thin, they're probably losing money, they probably need to have their transactions in cash so they can under report their income to the tax agencies to survive. Right. That's what I'm thinking. It's probably a twofold thing. Yeah, I just, I mean, there, there are people who don't want to pay 3%. I mean, especially if, yeah. you, if you bring a... Well, I think it's also, it also has to do with the income taxes in these areas. If the income right. taxes are lower, there'd be a, little more, a lot more compliance with it. You drive a lot of commerce under the table uh, when tax rates are as high as they are. Well, my, my second friend in a year, uh, one of the guys I work with over at NFO, calls me yesterday and have been a total uh, hissy because his, his money got dragged out of his bank account by his... Uh, What's the uh, what are the, the ways you, you throw cash out of your out of your your phone, Matt? Is it uh, when you can just I can just send you cash across the table? Venmo or Zelle yeah. or Cash App? Yeah, there's a got, bunch of them. He got his, his, and he's, he's he's pissed off the bank when give him his money back. I go, Alan, your phone got hacked. They didn't get hacked. Well, yeah, well, that's what they're telling me. I said, okay. I, mean, I, I hope you get your dough back. I mean, I love you, my man. But, yeah. but I mean, I, why, why is that the bank's problem? And then the other guy at the table says, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta put it from me to open my Apple phone. I got to stick my eyeball up against the thing or something to make sure it's me. I, I said, he goes, what do you think I should do? I said, cash or checks or use a credit card. What's the matter with you? I mean, what, I, mean I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's two people in the last year. The first guy... Um, they they used four different. He had like three or four different of these services on his phone. Every one of them hit his bank account for like two grand or something. But the the bank he was on it so fast that the bank was able to get the money back somehow. They didn't. They didn't. I don't think they paid him back. They got it back somehow. Not your a, phone is is much more secure than your credit card in your pocket. By the way, yeah. Uh, it has face facial recognition ID. Then it has uh, multi-factor authentication. When you get in, it's all encrypted. Versus a credit card could fall out of your pocket and someone could take right. it and oh, swipe yeah. it. Uh, so you're actually recommended if you're going to pay electronically to to put your, link your credit card to your phone because it's ten times more secure than your credit card in your pocket. Now I don't really do that just because of the convenience of it. I, 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 to me, I actually don't find it that convenient to pay with your phone. Uh, but uh, but that's what, uh, you know, I go to a lot of these conferences about cybersecurity and stuff, and that's what that's what they'll tell you. Uh, but I, I, st- I still see the value in carrying cash and, and paying with cash in a lot of ways, too. I like the anonymity of it. Um, I like, um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, I think, I think also tipping people with a credit card, that has to be declared on income taxes, yep. whereas if you give them a cash tip, that doesn't have to. So the the wait staff love the cash tips, especially in a high a high tax uh, state. Yeah, the place where we go to breakfast uh, often 
uh, they they have a sign on the door that says uh, wait staff appreciates cash tips <laughs> versus yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll accept well, credit card you know, payment. Translation, but, yes. translation, wait staff does not appreciate the tax rates of the state or the local government. Yes. <laughs> well, exactly. man, well, what's the man, if, if if I hacked into your phone because I don't have a thing on mine and all of a sudden I I, I shifted I used uh, you know, Venmo or something the money's got to go someplace right so even if I get it out of your bank into mine, your bank's going to know it came to me. How do, how, how do I? How do I? If I was in the, the the thieving business, which I'm not, it still has to show up someplace, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've I've never. Uh, I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't heard of uh, very many Venmo hacks because yeah, it's it's obviously very traceable and very clear exactly where it went. Well, I, but didn't. Uh Aren't there? But doesn't your I don't know your, what your current firm does. I haven't had a chance to quiz you. But your your other firm though, didn't they? One of the things they did was was trace down, you know, bank accounts that essentially were attributed to nobody. That there's a lot of accounts. What, remember, were you were you you weren't having a cocktail with me one night with the Federal Reserve guys when they they uh, one of the guys was telling me that the big banks like Chase or somebody. They identified like a hundred thousand accounts. They couldn't. They didn't know who the hell they were, really, or fifty, some huge number. And he said they, you know, first thing they thought were some of them were like CIA stuff. It wasn't them? <laughs> it wasn't a hundred thousand. It, it was like twenty thousand accounts. They had, and with money going in and out, that on, a, on, a, on an audit, they couldn't. They they couldn't go back. They'd been there a while. They couldn't go back and figure out who had the account. They, yeah, they that's could, scary. They couldn't say, "Here's Matty Weber. And here's Andrew, here's the address." I will say uh, again, I can't speak for for you know phones getting hacked um, and what they're able to take from your phone via Venmo or Zelle or Cash App or PayPal or any of those. Although you do have to use passwords for most of those unless you bypass it. But um, just having had my credit card hacked multiple times, like I'm sure everyone has in the past, I've had a scenario where I think four hundred dollars was withdrawn, and then I've had one where. Somehow they hacked and they set up like a monthly withdrawal that I didn't really? catch for like six months, and they were taking. Like, That's that happened with Zell. Yeah, they were they were yeah. taking like a hundred dollars a month, very sort of quietly uh, on the you know a random like the fifteenth of every month for like six straight months before I caught it. Both times Chase refunded me in full within I don't know two hours. Okay, so they must have like some some kind of crazy I don't know insurance policy or. or Something. Uh, th- this must happen so much. I was fully refunded within two hours. I, uh, you know, all I did was I said this wasn't me. And they said no problem. Canceled the card. Sent me a new one overnight. Refunded the money. That was a Visa. Was that a credit card or a debit card? Well, uh, I I think both times it was a debit card. A Chase oh really? Debit, okay. Chase debit I think, card. Yeah, I it think was on cash. a debit card. On a debit card, they're not as generous. I think on a Visa or a credit card, they're more. I think they're more willing to. Um, refund that could be and and again mine yeah. were mine were both you know in the five hundred dollar range they weren't like you know yeah. fifty thousand dollars or something I don't know if there's yeah. a cutoff but but w- yeah they I was fully refunded and had a new card within twenty four well, hours. Were you the guy who told me your your older firm like I have stuff I could see that that could happen to you because I probably with stocks and jacks mainly with stocks and jacks I have probably five or six things that just run through my credit card like our GoDaddy stuff yeah or, or, it just hits every month but I. Somebody, I, mean, I, I I look at it all the time. So, but I would say if somebody didn't you say that people would like mirror image where it made it look like it was GoDaddy, but it wasn't at a different. Of course. Uh, if oh yeah, I, yeah. Th- somebody could probably slip that by me. Yeah, and I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, 
But if it was, a, it was a new company, I'd say, who the hell are these guys? Yeah, that's, I mean, for me, it was a new company. And um, for whatever reason, I missed it for, I don't know, five or six months. And then I caught it, and they refunded the whole thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, uh, but you're, you're still thinking that, I mean, I know you, I use my parking app because you told me to never put your credit card in one of those things. No, those things are, yeah. They put, people put those skimmers on, on those and all that stuff. Yeah, it's not, mm. not a good idea. Yeah, well, yeah New York City is. Uh, they're. I think they're get. They're. They're. They're noticing that, and now the uh, parking meters in New York City say use the city's app. Yeah, even gas stations are are really really questionable. To, you almost want to pay cash because uh, there's so people put so, those little skimmer devices that are really hard to notice on uh, those credit card machines that are out there. You know, 24 hours a day. Someone pops in overnight, puts a skimmer on there, picks it up at 10 a.m., and they got you know 100 credit cards that that have swiped it in, the, in you know that that few hour period. Uh, th- those are those are out there. You're well, talking about the AT machine out front of the oh, just the gas pump. Just the gas pump where you swipe. Oh, your the credit gas card. pump. Wow. And and yeah. and and then definitely any of those uh, those kind of one off ATM machines that aren't inside of a bank. Um, ones yeah. that are out in the street. I mean, those. Yeah, I would avoid those. Those, <laughs> of course, at three in the morning when you need cash uh, and you're. I need to know this because I'm living in New York for the first time yeah. uh, permanently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I know you know a town of you know 50 people. You're not gonna have a guy doing that. You know, there's just not enough people to make that profitable in a small town. Yeah. Well, hell, what do you uh, change the subject? What, what do you what are you teaching now? What are the questions you're getting from your guys? I always like to ask you and Russell that because it seems like the, the questions he's getting from his his students and you is right on the times of what younger people are concerned about. What, what are you getting? What's, what are people most concerned about and things like that? Well, I think uh, my students are mostly concerned with, they ask me questions about job opportunities. That's what they're concerned with. Oh, in yeah. class, they always ask me about job opportunities. And, I'm, I, and I tell them, look, I think in today's world, you have to have quantitative skills. They don't really ask questions about, I don't know, the economy. Maybe I'm so good at what I do that I explain it really well, but maybe, or maybe I put them to sleep and they don't care. Uh, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. Uh, I can't tell. I always draw this emoji of me on the whiteboard of a circle face with eyeballs, big eyeballs with pupils pointing the wrong direction and a squiggly mouth and hair standing straight up. It looks like the guy is either clueless or confused and I always tell my students that's how we see you guys we can't tell whether you're confused or you're bored and so uh, but the questions I get a lot in my office um, is about jobs and what they're going to do about uh, you know working when they graduate and I think a lot of young people want to avoid working places like uh, you know a hedge fund or investment firm um, because there's a negative connotation to the the big evil corporation so i just tell them you know follow your passions uh try to acquire as many uh quantitative skills as possible i think having quantitative skills is really important a lot of people have soft skills but very few people can do the quant um and then if you follow your passions and you can do the quant i think and you work hard um which is a microaggression on some college campuses is the but if you uh... work hard is the Supreme, You'll be fine. Is the Supreme Court decision causing any conversations at a, like a well, regular college? It's, it's summer for me, so I haven't had any conversations about that. Uh, but I, I did read an ar- interesting article about it. Uh, Ryan McMacken from the Mises Institute uh, criticized uh, Thomas's uh, argument 
And he was making the argument that, well, if Harvard um, is a private institution and its owners own that property, the school, the building, the lands, they own the contracts with the professors, uh, because it's their personal property, if they want to um, admit uh, people of, you know, brown people and black people, historically uh, underrepresented, they should be able to do whatever they want with their own property. And well, the federal the, government has no business uh, being in between uh, those decisions. You'd have a real hard time, I'm going to say, whoever wrote the article yeah. has, has a point, except the point being, might be on top of his head. Who the hell is the owner? How much does the government give Harvard in the last 300 years? Oh, I know, yeah. That, yeah, that's the problem right there, right? So I think that's the problem with, with uh, higher education and the public education system is the government's got its hands in it, and when you when you take federal funds, all of a sudden you have to do the bidding of the government, and that's why I think Hillsong or not Hillsong, um, Hillsdale College in Ohio is really kind of cool because they don't accept any kind of federal. They, their students don't get federal grants. The kids don't uh, submit FASAs. The professors don't get federal grants whatsoever. They have no federal money going into that school at all, and they can just. And I think the problem with a lot of other schools is they they're on the government teat. They're on. They're on it, and they have to do the bidding. They have to comply with the federal government's rules, education rules. They they have to be standardized with the. But they're not just. They're not just. Uh, you know, it, it, they're 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 somewhat common sense rules. I mean, they. Yeah. I mean, I mean who, who are the people? Who... Well, but the rules are really they they force like small colleges to be more like the large state. Institutions, the R1 research institutions, they, they 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 pull their focus away from small classes, mentoring, uh, into you have to publish, right? Yeah. When you're yeah. in a small liberal arts college, who cares about publishing? Well, you next, be a good next week we should probably take this apart a little more because I honestly don't. I don't know if this is legal or not. I mean, uh, I don't have a problem with a a uh, Protestant girls' school in the middle of Ohio only admitting girls and Protestants. I mean, that's what you are. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. But I, I do have a problem with the state of Illinois, the people yeah. on top running the place, whoever the hell they think they are, making a fortune and saying, and getting money from Illinois and saying we're not going to accept kids from Illinois because the kids from Wisconsin pay more. I, I got a problem yeah. with that. Yeah. Mean, where, where, where do you get the where do you get the stones to do that or the authority? Yeah, that? that's that's that. Well, I mean, it's in the model though. I mean, the kids out of state, you know, they pay less tuition. The I, kids, I, but I'm I saying, mean, but, more more tuition. Yeah. But, but I mean, I. I don't want if 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 I make Matty Weber the chairman and he sees a way to double his pay by doing that, I'm going. Wait a minute. The purpose yeah. of Illinois is for Illinois kids. What's the matter with you? Yeah. You know, hey, by the way, I heard your conversation with Kenny, and I, I projected uh, this year's uh, numbers of passengers on airlines, and it's below the pandemic levels. Yeah. And I just tweeted it, so it's still below. It's pretty close to pre-pandemic pre-pandemic trend levels. But it's still below it. Are we going to take the United American and those boards and that took all the money to keep people and, and force people into retirement and, and laid other people off? Are we going to put them in jail for, for well, stealing I, the dough? Well, I think, I think a lot of the problem with the pilots, the employment levels, the pilots, the the screeners, uh, the flight attendants, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, mass mandates and vaccine requirements that yeah. the federal government issued. The people that quit or didn't want those were probably conservative and libertarian and they said i'm not taking the vax i'm not taking the i'm not wearing the mask so the airline fired them for that reason so yeah. i think that has a lot to do with the fact that they can't provide good well one of the ladies service. downstairs we got a day she was she said i anyway, stopped in for a beer and she goes uh, i said i'm not we're supposed to be here tonight 
yeah, well, I, I called in sick on my my flight. I go, how the hell did you do that? And she goes, I knew that there weren't pilots coming back. I didn't want to spend the night in Greensville Spartanburg or someplace. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she, she goes, they told me I could get back on this other flight. I knew they, 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 those pilots weren't showing up. I mean, I, so I, it, it became like a you know like an evolving thing where you knew that the other yeah. guys weren't showing, so you weren't showing either. I think well, a year ago, I got stuck in Atlanta for 18 hours. I was I was getting to the point where I was going to rent a, a van and drive everybody on the Utah flight, the Utah leg. We're going to drive a van. We're, we're getting together. We're going to drive a van from Atlanta to Salt Lake and rotate driving. It was that bad. Probably not a bad idea. Anyway, <laughs> Hal, thank you very much, buddy. Have a, talk to you next week. SP Futures up 11. NASDAQ Futures up 36. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.